Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is February 8th, 2019. It's Friday. It's freezing where I am. It's even colder than the polar vortex. Uh, It was down to, I think the wind chill factor was like negative 40-ish. Actual temperature like negative 25. It's pretty insane. It's a good thing. There's warmth. There's wood, there's propane, and heat. Uh, For all of you out there enjoying the warm weather like I see on some of my posts, I'm super jealous, but I have snow. Today is an interesting day. We have Whitaker uh, being questioned. I watched uh, a lot of it, but I'm pretty much going to go back um, and watch it later on this evening, uh, taking my time to listen to things because, you know, we don't listen anymore. The one thing, though, that I did listen to was him slamming down Nadler when he said, I think your five minutes is up. And that was pretty awesome. Um, It's live now. They're asking him more questions. He did um, hint that he possibly may not be uh, the uh, acting attorney general um, for the foreseeable future, meaning that he's leaving any time now. So that was pretty incredible to listen to. Um, Also, where they asked him about Roger Stone and if uh, he was aware that he was indicted and asked, you know, how did CNN know? How are they camped out? And he did drop the hint saying that um, that's under investigation right now. Because after someone's arrest, only then does the Department of Justice put out an announcement where the media is notified. So that'll be interesting to see if any heads will roll in regards to that. That is a big deal. Uh, Questions that were being asked were such as, did they get a copy of the indictment before uh, he was arrested and before it was released? So that was pretty interesting. Uh, Today, I thought, rather than beat by the drum of the mainstream media, talking about Whitaker, even though um, many people are saying and talking, I think we can leave that till next week because there's going to be a bunch of Easter eggs that people are going to miss. What we should be focusing on is what's really going on. And uh, those of you that have been listening to my show for the past few months understand that I've been pointing to Venezuela Uh, advised about the gold standard, uh, let you guys know how important and integral uh, Venezuela is in this component 
uh, and how I believe that it's after 2020 that, um, you know, gold-backed currency should be coming back to the forefront. Now, today... I was yesterday, actually, last night I was on the Chan board discussing with my, you know, math nerd groups, a uh, couple of things in regards to gold and uh, what was coming. And we noticed that the media is now slowly uh, reporting things about Venezuela and gold. And I'll run that through with you guys in a little bit. And, um, you know, we came to some conclusions, though. You know, I don't always like to bring people that I'm 100% uh, on the same page with. Like, we can all be on the same page, but it's a lot more fun. And, you know, it's always debate that lets us see things differently. For me, I'm today I'm going to be bringing someone on by the name of Michael. I actually found him through an extended friend, a great genius friend of mine, also a Greek American, Dimitri. Um, I tweeted out... Uh, you know, his assumption of what the actual price of gold should be today. Uh, we're going to start talking about this in the second half. So in this first half, I just wanted to recap and reinforce what I've been saying in regards to the 2020 elections uh, before we just talk gold, 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 and kind of give you some hints of what I'm expecting to see next week. So um, as we said, uh, what we see is that Yang is uh, the secret weapon that uh, the DNC has not put out. He's going to be coming out in full force. And we see this because, as I've said many, many times before, the whole um, the actions of our previous administrations have been such to minimize our aspirations to increase dependency on the government and to have us think that, you know, nothing is consumer driven. They decide and they do this through, you know, the mainstream media by pushing that notion to us that there is a greater population that thinks this. So you must do this. Um, when everything is consumer driven, because we're the majority, right? We drive everything. We drive their paychecks. How many times have I said this? Like broken record. And I know a lot of you say the same thing. Like our money talks. We show what we want with our wallets. And, and, and some companies have felt it like CNN. This is why their ratings are in the toilet. Uh, Nike felt it. Starbucks felt it. Target felt it. So everything is consumer driven. And this is going to be the conversation that we're going to have in the second hour uh, with someone that's going to be joining us um, who will reinforce, you know, how, uh, the, how a utopian theory of why we were removed from a tangible currency uh, to this IOU fiat currency system. But here's the thing. As I've been saying, they've been penetrating every aspect of our lives and social and society, right? Uh, creating um, a mold into which we must fit into in regards to thought, wants, and aspirations. And the aspirations are being limited constantly by, um, you know, back in the day, having a high school degree was great. You could get a job. Then it was a bachelor's degree. And that's like everybody and their mother has that now. Who cares? And then it's like, uh, you know, you either have a PhD or you're a nobody. And so and this is something that has been driven by this totalitarian form of administrations that we've been having in the past. 
kind of shaping our aspirations, making some so high that few can reach, and then promising you that reach uh, with minimal to no effort. And we see this from the Green Deal. Remember, the Green Deal that came out, and I said it before this was announced, that this, this, that Ocasio and these other dangerous persons that have been appointed within the House are there to sow the seeds for Yang. Because how is a guy going to come out and say, well, you know, the problem is AI and robots, and that's going to nip us in the bud. Pretty, we need to nip it in the bud rather than wait for it to come because it's inevitable. And in one sense, yeah, he's right. It's going to cause a disruption to society. It's going to cause a disruption to our economy. But do we need to expedite it? And that's the thing, fear. Fear drives everything. And, you know, they tried it with the climate change. So now we have this... Um, new green deal that um, Ocasio had put forward, right? And if you guys um, took a look at it, it was pretty interesting to see what was stated on it. And for me, it was more so uh, this last phrase. Do you guys remember where it was like, we need to fund or support people financially that cannot work or are unwilling to work so basically, it, we're supposed to be working to feed the mouths of those that don't want to work, that are not willing to work. And this is exactly what Yang needs. He needs something like this already in the spotlight so he can jump and propel off of it. And I've been saying this. They're killing our drive. They're, they're trying to make us think that capitalism in a a consumer-driven economy is wrong. President Trump is literally stirring that pot saying consumers drive everything. We have a say in everything. And, you know, uh, trying to reinforce it by you're the majority. Use your wallet. How many times do we say it? But people have such an apathy, they don't do it. And this is why people like Ocasio-Cortez or Omar or Rashida are in office. This is why we have Pelosi as Speaker of House, who we can all plainly see has a problem with her mental faculties, yet she's third in line for the presidency. Really? So bottom line is there is a plan to um, for 2020, which is a very scary one. Because what people need to realize, it's time to take the reins and make your voice heard either by your wallet or by actually putting information out there and starting conversations. That on that. And we'll be getting um, into more detail with that soon. Another thing is Pelosi removed Ocasio from this uh, committee and everyone's like, oh, that was her answer to Ocasio. It was strategic. Because what she doesn't want is Yang teaming up with Ocasio and them ousting her. She's old money uh, and, you know, it was dangerous enough that they let her in. But, you know, just like always, you use your threats to your advantage. You use their weaknesses for your advantage. But sometimes they overtake you. And this is exactly what she's realizing now that – you know, I, I even said it. If Ocasio gets into the house, she is going to be running the party. And it's pretty insane to say it, but she is the face of the Democratic Party. And that is just how insane our politics are right now. Pelosi is not the face of it. She's actually the clown. 
So we have this going on, the sowing of the seeds for gang, um, which will be the final frontier, I would say, in their attempt to socialize us, to have us dependent on this universal basic income, the UBI that he's pushing, uh, pushing uh, instead of waiting for the AI robot revolution to happen, to expedite it. And that way we can mitigate by uh, creating um, a government that can support people that can't work in that environment. And um, we're just going to see a lot more crazy stuff happening. Uh, This these next six months, we're going to be seeing a really huge and open and transparent push uh, for socialistic uh, values. Ugh, I hate saying that. And we're in the United States of America. I really hate saying that. It, it really breaks my heart to see that our nation, which was a pioneer in creating a nation owned by the people, where the people had the power, where the people dictated policies, laws, regulations, boundaries, it has crumbled and it didn't work. Not because it couldn't work, but because people were slotted into our nation that still wanted to beat to that old drum of a more autarkic kind of ruling, right? It's pretty heartbreaking. Now, we have we have that, the sowing of the seeds, because I'm always going to tell you stuff the media is not talking about. Um, we have the president being attacked left and right. I thought maybe we could just skim through his tweets because he's telling you enough. You remember that tarmac meeting with Lynch, right? And Bill Clinton. Well, we had a similar one with Schiff, which was pretty interesting. Um, And I am kind of feeling that a lot's going to be coming out on Schiff next week, which is not going to be for his good. Um, I, I am hoping that still we have some indictments drop this afternoon. Um, in regards to the actively working individuals um, that was recommended to be held accountable. Okay, so President Trump this morning tweeted, not only did Senator Burr's committee find no collusion by the Trump campaign and Russia, it's important because they interviewed 200 witnesses and 300,000 pages of documents, and the committee has direct access to intelligence information that's classified. So now we find that Adam Schiff was spending time together in Aspen with Glenn Simpson of GPS, of Fusion GPS. For some reason, it was written GPS Fusion, who wrote the fake and discredited dossier, even though Simpson was testifying before Schiff. So they were exchanging notes. The mainstream media has refused to cover the fact that the head of the very important Senate Intelligence Committee, after two years of intensive study and access to intelligence that only they could get, just stated that they have found no collusion between Trump and Russia. It's all a giant and illegal hoax developed long before the election itself but used as an excuse by the Democrats as to why crooked Hillary Clinton lost the election. Someday, the fake news media will turn honest and report that Donald J. Trump was actually a great candidate. And he was. Because he's stirring the pot. 
He's changing the face of our foreign policy. He's trying to um, have our economy be uh, dictated by the people of America, right? By the consumer, by the worker, right? Not dictated by others. He's trying to grab the reins and give them to us. And it's as if nobody that's in office right now wants to do that. We have a a creeping deadline for this border wall. It's being reported that Pelosi is talking about it, possibly thinking about it, uh, which is interesting because you have to wonder, why would they not want to ensure security? Why would they not go along with, um, you know, not allowing free reign, you know, anyone coming in with drugs and children and people on, you know, unchecked. We can't even quantify how many people come through. Um, yesterday, somebody texted me and asked me if I heard about, um, actual members of the CIA, uh, trying to smuggle drugs through the border that were stopped by citizen, by citizen arrest. So we have people within our own government that work for our government, specifically the intelligence agency, that are muling drugs, people, and children across the border. Let that sink in for a second. I mean, we need to hear more about this. I've sent an email out to get, you know, some confirmation. And the only thing I got was that uh, there was valid identification of uh, persons that work for the Central Intelligence Agency presented uh, to that specific citizen arrest. So I'm still working on that story. Hopefully I'll get more on it. Um, But that should tell us a lot right there. Because in the next hour, we're going to have someone that's going to be talking about how... um, Maybe this IOU removing this tangible currency was for the greater good. But, you know, from my perspective in in theory, remember, we talked about theory and application in real life, right? In theory, that's great. In theory, in a controlled environment, that's great. And if you assume blind trust and good intent. But what has history taught us over the past century? Or how's this? What have we seen over the past month? Do we really believe that those that have been elected are working in our best interests? Honestly, we see that they're increasing divisiveness. We're we're seeing that they're um, pushing hate. We see that they are constantly attacking a sitting president. This is presidential harassment. We see that anyone that supports their country or their president is now deemed a racist. Uh, It is a symbol of hate. They're trying to equate wearing Make American Great Again hats to Ku Klux Klan hoods. This does not tell me that there was any uh, that there was any good intention because the people, the players that are supposed to be for the people and for the greater good, even within the industry of finance, are pushing for the same thing. And we see this push of polarizing our nation, of causing this rift between people, of, uh, of making it seem that if you're proud to be an American, you are the worst of the worst. This is what they're doing, right? And these are the people that are supposed to be supporting us. These are the people that we're supposed to trust are putting our 
um, interests first. And we're seeing it on a daily basis that anything but our interests are being done by them, except for the president of the United States who's doing all this with his hands tied behind his back because of, you know, uh, Crazy investigations, crazy allegations. Uh, we're talking from all aspects. I mean, look at, you know, Jesse Smollett, right? What a liar. He needs to be prosecuted by the state of Illinois, by the city of Chicago for spending their time on a false narrative. He needs to be strung up by his toes because this should not be allowed to happen. We cannot give platforms to clowns like this. Empire lost a fan. I'm not even, I'm not going to watch it at all. Maybe I'll watch it on YouTube years later when it's completely free. There is no way I am paying for one single ad or anything to contribute to that because you guys fell behind him and supported him for that. And it was a lie rather than come out and say, we are ashamed of our actor for lying. We are ashamed of our actor for adding to this already polarized conversation. But no, they didn't. Yeah, you know, Roseanne Barr was strung up, right? That was an easy peasy thing. Then we see Joy Behar, you know, getting dressed up with blackface. Oh, it's no big deal, you know, because it's them. Not the same. This is why I believe, and I stand by it, that even though maybe 100 years ago, 120 years ago, 200 years ago, plans were put in place to help the global economy indeed are now nefarious because like I've said before, human nature innately is kind, loving, right? To do good. We're not evil human beings, right? By nature. But the thing is we get corrupt very easily with power because with power comes greed. And then once you are infested with that bug, you can dehumanize your neighbor. You can consider others less than you. This is human nature, unfortunately. This could go back to, you know, biblical scholars, Torah, whatever you, you know, humans are of free choice. And the free choice is other people call it the yin and the yang. And, uh, you know, in the second hour, you'll hear uh, someone talking about this balance in the yin and the yang. And I think, you know, the yin is kind of winning a lot. Um in that respect right now. Um, I, I, I don't know what to make of today as it is a weird day. We have so much going on, yet the focus is so off from the mainstream media. I think they don't know how to respond to it. I do know that CNN is under heat right now uh, to find out where this leak came from, how it came from. I'm 100% sure that the leak happened from Broward County. I am 100% sure. And that came from FBI to Broward County to that. So it's like two agencies that need to be looked at. One, how much did you give Broward County? Well, you have to actually. And who gave it? So I'm pretty much on point when I say that it's going to end up that Broward County was responsible for this. And, um, you know, I'm okay to say I was wrong if I was wrong, but I'm pretty sure that was it. And that may actually link back 
to the Democrats knowing about it. And this is where I want to get to because it's the Democrats that knew about it, that kind of fed it. This is where it's going to link back. So it's pretty awesome. Uh, We need to be following Schiff uh, a little bit because he's going to be talk of the town next week. From what I hear, there's going to be a lot of chit-chat. These indictments that I was hoping were to come out um, today are not. Uh, You know, we're seeing a lot of subtle mentions online in regards to what's going on in the global sphere, uh, which is uh, very interesting. Uh, we see people talking about, uh, you know, this uh, hearing with Whitaker, which I urge everyone, I know it's great to watch it live. A lot of people have jobs and they can't, but still, it's good to watch it afterwards. So that way you get to listen to the questions because those are important. So it's, it's, it's very important that we do that. Um, there were, uh, there's a lot of talk about this green new deal. Um, my Congressman from my state, uh, Kelly Armstrong put it out there and, uh, it's pretty, um, pretty telling of what their idea is. Their idea is to ensure that there is a carbon tax. So that's more money. It's to ensure that people don't have to work, right? Uh, nuclear energy to be banned completely, uh, no airplanes, but trains, uh, which is pretty incredible. Uh, it's, it's, it's just so insane. Some people are calling it as, uh, what did they call it? Unicorn farts was the statement. Was it unicorn farts and something, something? Uh, I don't remember who put it out. I remember seeing it. It, it, it is pretty. Today is a really crazy day for the news cycle because we don't know where to start and where to begin. So everyone's just focusing on Whitaker. So what we're going to do is focus on Venezuela and gold and talk about what's more to come on that. I'll see you guys all in a few. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa. Play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this. Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? 
Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's one 800 961 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Sess Show. This is the second half hour of my first hour. So I thought I'd take time to introduce the topic we're going to be talking about. Uh, we've been talking about Venezuela. We've been talking about gold for a very long time. And I think one tweet kind of summarizes what we're going to get into. Dr. Jane Ruby tweeted, Socialism wants to restrict freedom of movement of its citizens. I never liked these stand-up scooters called Lime and Bird randomly strewn, strewn into around town. Electric cars might limit how far you can go without recharging. Please, let's clean the social cockro- socialist cockroaches out of the government next cycle. Now, what she says is literally my POV in regards to gold and the currency changes that happened. I strongly believe this because uh, like electric cars, indeed, I said the same thing. I was thinking with my husband uh, to purchase a winter Tesla. It's so hot, so expensive. But I was like, maybe we can like look forward to getting one. I keep writing, told you guys that, right? Elon Musk letters every year. Hey, want to give me a Tesla? Because I don't know if I'll ever be able to purchase one. So, you know, you could just write it off. Just give me one. And Elon Musk, if you ever hear this, I totally drive yours in my tundra in North Dakota and just tweet about it every day. I think it is the sexiest car. But, but what she said was exactly what I was thinking. Well, if we buy it, we can't really go anywhere because even if there's charging stations in my state to get to one place from another, it's like a two hour drive. You know, we're talking hundreds of miles, you know, someone in, in, in North Dakota travels, you know, 50 to 60 miles to get to to places sometimes. For me to get to the capital, it's two hours. For me to get to Fargo, it's four hours. You know, so if you want it, or Williston, you know, two hours. It's, 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 it's far, right? And apart where these dense populations are. So if you have a battery that can only sustain so much, it limits how far you can go, right? And this is just an idea, but 
that the same thing applies with the control in your money, in the control of your uh, employment, and in control of your education. Uh, we see it with Common Core. I've said Common Core that has been implemented is not done to help students understand things or think differently. They do think differently, but it limits how far they can go. So children right now learning Common Core mathematics um, are not able to grasp or understand higher order or algebra or calculus. It is completely impossible. It is impossible if they have been trained to think one way of how the relationship with numbers are and then get into higher order math. That limits how far they can go. This is where I'm going with this, that the idea that will that that could have been for this great balance for a consumer global driven economy was is great in theory, great in a controlled environment, great with blind trust, but so powerful when used as a weapon because this is how you can limit how far someone can go. And so we'll get into that later. In that sense, I wanted to point out, remember I I had said back in November how Venezuela is important and how these executive orders are very important. Well, today actually... Um, Newsmax Finance published an article titled Mysterious Turkish Firm Helped Maduro Move 900 Million in Gold. So it starts by saying that two months after Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro visited his counterpart Erdogan in Ankara, a mysterious company called Sardes uh, sprang into existence. You know, they all love creating these companies, right? Just out of the blue. And it started out in January 2018 where it imported 41 million dollars worth of gold from Venezuela, uh, the first transaction of such between Turkey and Venezuela, right? And these countries uh, between themselves have a long history, you know, at least half a century, and they mentioned that too. Um, then uh, the volume started to double, uh, exporting almost a hundred million worth into Turkey. So this is something that has been happening, and it even says that... Um, by November, when President Trump signed an executive order authorizing transactions on Venezuelan gold, after sending an envoy to warn Turkey off the trade, Sardis shuttled 900 million of the precious metal out of the country. They are literally putting it on planes. Even um, CNBC um, wrote an article on the 4th of this month saying, forget oil. Here's why gold is the key to Venezuela's crisis-stricken government. They're using it a different way. They're saying gold is fast. It, gold is fast becoming indispensable to those clinging onto power in crisis-stricken Venezuela. Political tensions in the South American country are reaching a boiling point with the oil-rich but cash poor country in the midst of the Western Hemisphere's most worst humanitarian crisis in recent history. Um, I think I have a clip to play for you. Yes, let's play this clip. Listen to this. Give us a sense of what's going on on the ground right now as you have these two individuals, Maduro and Guaido, both claiming they are president. So Guaido was selected basically by the Constitution, uh, the, the National Assembly, he's the president of the National Assembly, and the claim is that he's a legitimate 
president of Venezuela because the last election in May last year that elected Maduro was not considered legitimate, was not free and fair. So now you've got 11 countries in Latin America, the United States and Canada and the Organization of American States recognizing Guaido as a legitimate president, but Maduro remains in power. And he has the power while for the most of the international community, Guaido has the uh, legitimacy. So it's really a standoff. And the key element in this is what the military is going to do. Well, I was going to say, I want to avoid stereotypes, but when we think of Latin American unrest, there have been quite a few of them. And Chile is one I know particularly well, but, but you've seen in Argentina, you've seen in other places. The military typically decides this thing. It's true, actually, yes. There is certainly that image of Latin America and the military being, as you to put it in Latin terms or, or uh, Roman terms, a Praetorian guard. Yeah. But that's also been was key in the Eastern Europe and other places, where there comes a certain point when the military, the armed forces, the security forces say, enough, we, we want to side with the people. And that's what they're really hoping to do. And the U.S. is trying to actually game that so that the military also make that decision to swing their support away from Maduro to Guaido. But, but as I understand it, the, the, the officer corps, the top levels of the military are very much beholden to Mr. Maduro. Yes, he very has much. He's picked them and he's really rewarded them generously. Precisely. And first of all, uh, Venezuela has the highest per capita number of generals anywhere in the world. And so he's promoted them. Oh, I did them. not know that. Yes, he's given them, um, there's been a whole, a, a, a fair amount of promotion inflation in terms of Venezuela, but also he's given them key posts. They control the food, they control the, uh, the oil, the all important oil wealth. They also control a lot of the flyover routes for cocaine that's leaving Colombia that finds its way off into Western Africa and into Europe. So they're deeply embedded in corruption, deeply embedded in arms trafficking, and deeply embedded in extortion and uh, black market system. You mentioned oil production. Let's focus on that. Wait, let's just put something there um, before we listen further. This is on Bloomberg, and this was actually put up January 29th of this year, so just about a week ago. Uh, Black market insertion. Remember, who comes to the United States through this open border? We have terrorists. Where do they get their passports? Venezuela. I'll continue. Bit because Venezuela is a very wealthy country in that sense in terms of its oil reserves. We can take a look at what's happened to production of oil in Venezuela since Chavez came to power back in 99. You see that radical dip there that I'm sure is that attempted coup that happened, yep. right? And then it came back up, and you see how it's trailed off. Uh, this is really serious business for that economy. It is. Uh, Venezuela counts on 95% of its foreign exchange earnings on oil. So everything that happens in the Venezuelan economy revolves around oil. Now, what's happened, as you see from the chart, is it went from about 3.3 million barrels per day in production before Chavez to about a a little around 1.3 million today. So it's about half of what it was. And at the same time, in a great article that was in Bloomberg by Julian Lee, talks about sort of the major repairs that are necessary. Because what's happened isn't just that most of the engineers have fled to Houston or to Canada or Columbia, but there hasn't been the investment and upgrade and maintenance in terms of the production. So it's going to take a long time, whoever is in power, to rebuild the capacity of this country to produce oil. And that article you referred to, Julian Lee's article, compared it to Iran and compared to Libya and basically said, you know, you can't just turn the spigot back on. There's a lot more work and it takes a lot longer. Those countries have not just bounced right back. Another thing which the article doesn't mention, which is very important, is actually... Venezuela has basically mortgaged a lot of its oil, future oil production and its fields to Russia and to China. So it's paying debt on Chinese loans in the form of cut rate oil, as well as it's, uh, Russia has a fair amount of now exploratory rights in a lot of those fields. So you know, if, whoever comes into power is going to have to deal with these extra hemispheric powers that have a stake right now. In oil. 
Remember what I said? Just what he said, that China and Russia have a lot of invested, um, have invested a lot. Like he said, Russia and China have invested a lot. And whoever comes into power, they're going to have to deal with that. You know, how do they just null and void contracts for exploration and um, mining and extracting oil? But the key is coming up now in Venezuela's oil production and its fields. In the meantime, what's happening to the Venezuelan people? What's going on on the street, in homes? in medical clinics and the, grocery stores. The, the suffering is, is, is horrible. Uh, according to the, a recent estimate, about 3.3 or 3.6 million people in Venezuela have left. Uh, so you're looking at a massive refugee crisis uh, that is not as great as Syria, but is certainly one of the world's worst. At the same time, there's massive, uh, the, 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 there are reports of about 80% of the people cannot get uh, sort of the basic caloric requirements in any given day. And medicines and hospitals are completely falling apart. So you're looking at a, a humanitarian food and, and a crisis as well as a medicine crisis. And infant mortality rates have soared in the last uh, couple of years. And the guy that we're listening to is um, Christopher Sabatini. He's actually, um, he teaches, um, he's a lecturer at Columbia University for International Public Affairs. So it's really hard to see where this is all going to end up. Uh, at some point it'll be resolved. But I really wonder about the U.S. role in this. Uh, when we, we read that the vice president called up Mr. Guaido and said, we will back you. Yeah. Um, for those of us old enough, I mean, there was 1956, we did that in Hungary. In 1968, we did that in Czechoslovakia. It didn't work out so well for either of those uh, entities trying to overtake the government. No, that's exactly right. And this was a bold move, and I think it was necessary for a very dispirited, um, marginalized opposition. Uh, in this case, the U- U.S. has lined up, or with the support of Latin American governments, a broad international coalition to support them. But there's no guarantee that this will go away anytime soon. And what comes next, no one really knows. There's only a few more steps the U.S. government can take. Uh, it can basically impose an oil embargo on the country. It can uh, actually add Venezuela to the list of state sponsors of terrorism, which would be iffy. Um, but in terms of you know forcing the hand of Maduro, it's really going to take an act of Maduro, who is you know almost suicidally. Uh, stubborn about remaining in power. And that makes us really wonder about the plight of the people in our embassy down there, because we have Marines down there uh, protecting our diplomats. uh, And how concerned should we be about actually some violence? Well, first of all, Maduro tried to kick out the U.S. embassy. Um, he blinked. The, the, the vice president said, no, you have no right to do that. You're not the legitimate president. Um, he's blinked, and they're going to stay. But you're right. And, and in response, the White House has said, we will, treat, uh, we will not treat lightly any uh, violence against our diplomats. So- okay, so I'm going to stop it right there. So basically, um, like he said, he is suicidally stubborn to maintain power. The same thing we're seeing in our Democratic Party right now. They are doing anything to stay within power. But here's where it gets interesting. Bloomberg also reported that Jose Guerra dropped a bombshell on Twitter on Tuesday. So this is last week that the Russian Boeing 777 that had landed in Caracas the day before was there to spirit away 22 tons of gold from the vaults of the country's central bank. And so there was a, the claim self, you know, uh, on social media for us that follow this, you know, people were outraged, but you know, did not provide any evidence, right? That's what they said, but it's being reported constantly that this is going on. Uh, there's $1.2 billion in physical gold at the bank of England that Chavez had put that they can't touch. Um, 
we have gold, physical gold, that they can't touch. Gold is a big deal. And I said that, and this is why, you know, I've, I've mentioned our president with his executive orders made clear what is going on. Now, there's a lot of people that are backing cryptocurrency. I have cryptocurrency somewhere and, you know, it's not mine. It's my kids. Um, and I don't, you know, it was $5 back in 2000, what was it? 2005. So it's probably worth a lot more now, uh, but it probably won't be worth anything because this is a distraction. Um, I know a lot of you have written out to me, what do we do about gold? What do we do about gold? I can only say what I do and buying physical gold is power. And especially now that they've devalued gold, um, to the point where we can buy, um, you know. It's something that people on their own should take that decision to do. Um, And before we get into bringing on my guest, a friend of mine had posted this. This is from 2013 where Jim Sinclair uh, talks about gold. And he says that gold will be about $50,000 per ounce at some point. Gold confiscation as the dollar gets hammered more. This is from six years ago. I would be very interested to see what people have to say today, because this is something that a lot of us have been talking about for a very, very long time. Uh, So here we go. Take a listen. A little bit longer. I've done some research on you, and you have made a couple of monster calls in gold. In 74, when gold had gotten up just, uh, you know, about $160, $70 an ounce, it hadn't quite peaked in 74, uh, peaked in terms of it in that time, uh, it, uh, you said that gold would go to around $900 an ounce by 1980, and sure enough, it did. Now, with that call, you had a terrible sell-off from around 200 down to $100 an ounce, and it took three years to get back to 200 but your call that it would be about $900 an ounce, I think it was 887.50 in the interday high, big call. Call number two, let's fast forward to 2000. About 2002, and gold was in that year, and I don't know exactly when you made this call, but you made the call in late 2002, and gold was trading for about $360 an ounce. And you said, on or before January 14, 2011, it'll be 1650 Well, uh, it took until June of 2011. I think it was 1580 I mean, you know, you're hitting the red there. Maybe not exactly in the middle, but you're in the bullseye. And it did hit 1650 just a few months later in the summer of 2011. Now, here we are again, and uh, you are out here. And before we make any calls, I just want people to understand, and this is a long introduction, I'm sorry, but I'm so excited to have you. I just want people to understand the fundamentals of gold. I just want to go back to the fundamentals of gold. Why should people own gold, physical gold? Well, the reason is simple. Gold is insurance. And what it insures you against is everything that has to do with the confidence in which gold, the currency, is traded, the dollar. So all of this debt situations, even NASA spying on our allies, uh, anything that can affect confidence in the U.S. dollar uh, is hedged by, insured by gold. Uh, it, the combination is debt, dollar, gold. That's the influencing items that all come down to confidence. And confidence lost is a currency event. 
And hyperinflation, that which I expect, is not an event economic. It's an event of a currency losing confidence in a very short period of time. And you think we're headed for some sort of hyperinflation. A lot of folks, John Williams, thinks that. Uh, Eric Sprott was talking about just recently a collapse or hyperinflation. You think the dollar gets hammered? I think the dollar gets hammered. Uh, I, I, I believe that uh, we are headed for uh, hyperinflation, but it's important for, our, for the audience to understand that in every, in every period where hyperinflation has been part and parcel of an economy, business was terrible. Everyone thinks that inflation has something to do with demand. Uh, they don't recognize that you can get a cost push effect, costs higher because currencies go into disarray or lower. It's a currency event or loss of confidence in the dollar, which is going to result in a hyperinflation that gold will, without any doubt in my mind whatsoever, gold will insure the investor against. So I just wanted to stop there. If we've noticed this past these past two years, what has President Trump done? He has tried to what? Build the confidence in the U.S. dollar. We've seen it with the great climbs of the Dow. We've seen him by growing our economy, making it more consumer driven. Why? To avoid this hyperinflation, obviously, right? Because like he said, it's a currency event. And I have said many, many times before, if we were to flip and get into a gold-backed economy and get rid of this IOU, it would, in my opinion, crush all other currencies, thus make it look like there's lack of confidence. And, you know, with the mainstream media saying whatever they want to say, they will try to throw us into panic. So this is, for me, one of the biggest and most ultimate strategies President Trump has done, which is invest in our economy, build our economy, create such confidence in the dollar that it cannot be refuted, even if the media is telling you about panic, even if they show you other people eating garbage since their economy is dependent on the dollar because it's kind of the marker for the market value we will be just fine and i think this is the reason that we've created jobs and he's growing and now we are implementing uh, you know our clout into venezuela because we do understand that the dynamics are going to hit europe and the middle east really hard if he makes that move and moving into venezuela and uh working with working with them so that we can gain right we're not going in there just because we're nice we're gonna get in there and have exploratory rights on their oil gold mining because remember they've got tons and tons of what oil and gold, black gold and yellow gold. And this is why we're going in there. This is why China's there. This is why Russia's there. And if we're smart, and we are, we've already started pushing in in a gentle fashion for the people to benefit, but also our country. And this leads into, I really wanted to talk about healthcare today, but I think this is more important because the economy is something that a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people have questions on gold. I see it from my POV and my, the glasses I wear is that it's a nefarious tone. The reason that the Federal Reserve was booked and it's all about power and chasms. But um, in my next hour, someone will be joining, which is more of a, no, it's balanced. It's to help the global 
global economy, um, which would be true and valid if we take into account that those people in power are working for us rather than against us. So how does this tie in with healthcare? And I promise I will just do it just next week. I promise I will get to it. This is what is on President Trump's table right now. He's tackling the pharmaceutical industry. He needs to tackle healthcare, and the economy plays a big role. Because remember, healthcare and pharmaceuticals and our economy are so intertwined. For some reason, the health care access is being married up to the health of our economy. So if you're working and you can't gain access, it shows that the economy is not working right. So this is the aspect that he is focusing on. Uh, Medicare for all is not free. I can tell you having lived in England that has a system like that, you know, you make 300 pounds a week, 150 goes to the NHS, which pays for your health care. So you're literally paying for it anyway, in a form of a forced tax. And, you know, you may not be using the services, but you're paying for services someone else will be using. So this is not something feasible. This is not a capitalistic type uh, plan that can be put in, but we can treat it as a commodity, I would say, as a market. So maybe we can get the um, prices balanced out to have access for all without any, I would say, um, bias to... um, healthcare. And this is, I've got a couple of ways that it can be viably done in my mind since I'm, you know, familiar with the market. And we'll get to that next week. Today, I just thought it would be great for us to bring to the table talking about something no one is talking, which is real economics, real issues in regards to gold. And, you know, a simple Google and putting in Venezuela and gold will show you just how many of them are now reporting what I've been saying for months, because this is crucial. Uh, for our economy to understand the basics of what President Trump's plan is. He has started to throw spitballs at the Federal Reserve. He's mentioned audits. He's fattening up our treasury. He's pushing for audits. And he is cracking down on all those in Senate and Congress that have made a fortune while in office. You know, everyone keeps saying it, but no one's doing anything. Why aren't you pulling up your senator, your congressman's filings and file complaints? Because this is where you use your your chit. You're the owner. Everything is consumer-driven, even gold. And... um. We'll get to that after the break. In the meantime, next week, we expect a lot of shift. There's going to be a lot of talk about Shiffy next week, lots of it, and a lot of conversation driving behind this whole FBI corruption, and I'm waiting to hear back to see how the intelligence community fits into this border wall crisis. Um, On that note, I'll see you guys all in a few. I'll have the phone lines open, so if you'd like to ask my guests any questions, you can. Uh, that's 215 Top Talk. I'll see you guys soon in about five minutes. No, your mic, your mic is muted. Let me see if I can unmute it. Hold on. Unmute. Hey, can you speak now? I cannot hear you through your microphone on Zoom. Just log off on Zoom and call in the number. 
The number is going to be line. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can't hear you on the landline because I'm not live yet. Hold on. Let me answer you. Is that oh, you, Michael? Okay. okay. Now I can hear you. Okay. You can you can, hear me now? Yeah. Just log off of Zoom, though. Yeah. Turn okay. Give me a moment because yeah. I'm getting an echo anyway. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So am I talking to, to an audience here? Or? Not yet. No. No. I have no. to play my jingles in 50 seconds. <laughs> of I've course. Got commercials on, <laughs> and then it's the intro jingle. Play Taxman. That's one of my favorites. I'll just <laughs> log off of them. Um, okay, we're going live. Just mute your phone. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says. For the next hour, I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, Filtered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Sess Show. I'm your host, Tori. You're on for the second hour. Uh, Again, you can always follow me on Twitter and Gab at Tori underscore says, or always find me here Monday through Friday, 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern time live on Red State Talk Radio. And um, so anyone that has questions for my guests that I'll introduce in a moment, uh, you can call in at 215-TOP-TALK. That's 215-867-8255. Uh, as we've been discussing for months now in regards to Venezuela and gold, we're seeing a lot of news now starting to pop up in regards to the fear of gold being removed from the country of Venezuela, physically removed. Uh, we're seeing this uh, globally, actually, and the outcry, supposedly. But um, it's coming in in drips and drips and drips when it's something that the president made known to us with his executive orders over six months ago. So um, with no further ado, I'll allow my guest, Michael, to introduce um, himself. Uh, You know, he's a common friend of a very beloved friend of mine, a fellow scientist like myself. Um, And I, he caught my eye and I was like, you know what? My listeners would love to hear a little mini roundtable where we can go. So I'm going to give him the floor to introduce himself now. Uh, Michael, go ahead. You're alive. Hi, Tori. Thanks a lot. That's a, that's a nice introduction. Uh, I'm in Canada. Um, I was born on the 4th of July to a, 
to a coin collector, my dad, and he always thought that that was some kind of special esoteric uh, status for me somehow, you know, how belief systems are. But in any case, what it led to was uh, a lot of conversations at the dinner table uh, from the time I was young, uh, money, currencies, debt, cash flow, liquidity. They're all subjects at at the table, and uh, I grew up on this stuff. Uh, By the time I was, I'm currently 61, by the time I was 20 years old, I understood the salient points of the Bretton Woods Agreement and uh, also fractional reserve banking. So um, I've had my apprenticeship, and I've certainly cut my teeth. (laughs) What I wanted to talk to you all about today uh, probably in broader brushstrokes than many of you would like to hear detail on. It's difficult to address a large audience. I do some uh, some consulting and some tutoring with uh, economists, but it's it's always on a one-on-one basis. And what I talk to them about is uh, the salient points of debt-free trading in the free market utilizing gold as a market currency and I'm placing emphasis here on market currency where the introduction into circulation is strictly market driven specifically consumer driven from a bottom-up point of view Um, on that point because I'm sure that there's some gold bugs uh, listening in the audience there now that we're in a real-time environment, and this is very important to understand, now that we trade things in real-time, all currencies and gold trade in real-time, it's very important to introduce gold from a bottom-up point of view. Intentions aside, and I'm really putting an exclamation point on this, regardless of what elite intentions are or what you think they are, Gold cannot be introduced from the apex of classical power, not in a real-time environment. It's kind of like adding uh, the yang to the existing yin, where the yin would be the debt side of the equation, and gold would represent asset currency, all floating in real-time with real-time pricing. When adding the yang to the yin, we cannot destroy the yin. We need the price model. It's a symbiotic relationship. It's good. It's healthy. If you see evil on the dark side, you're really seeing evil in the imbalance of the relationship because the dark side on its own is imbalanced and the evil resides in that imbalance. We have to add the light. And that's the market's responsibility is to add gold into circulation. As we add gold into circulation through direct market spending, We're actually supporting the economy. The economy can grow in a real sense, and as a result of real growth, we let the central banks off the hook to raise interest rates so that systemic debt can be purged without trepidation and without fear of an economic collapse because banks, quite frankly, are kind of stuck in the apex right now. They've painted themselves into an apex because they've been doing double duty for, well, for decades now. They've been trying to satisfy the economy and satisfy the needs of the currency. And as we all should know, the, we can't serve two masters. We, 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 we've got to focus on one. So in short, they need some help, and they need some help from the marketplace. And it's the marketplace's responsibility in free market capitalism to step up and add assets into circulation. Now, having said that, the challenge 
on adding assets into circulation if we compare assets being used in the past is that there was never any market balancing without a real-time price model. And that was really the function of the central banks. And anyone who knows the, the salient points on uh, the Bretton Woods Agreement might be able to look at it in a different way right now. 1944 really represented the beginning of the end of the fixed price peg on gold because gold with a fixed peg is really a breach of free market law. All prices should float, and that includes gold, so that you can utilize gold in debt-free transactions and never run out simply because the, the price is variable and scalable. So when we go back to 1944, the Western countries of the world, they set up a, a new price model with the intention, in my opinion, that they knew that the liquidity problem and or the debt problem was going to rise again as long as the price peg uh, was, uh, was fixed. And that did remain. There was still a fixed price peg in 1944 because the front end of that particular project was to set up the price model so that all prices would float. All currencies would float. All prices would float, except for the relationship between gold and the U.S. dollar. The dollar is still pegged with gold. Change has to happen slowly, otherwise you rip the world apart. So the price model gained traction from 1944 onward, and then when the crisis came up again in the 60s based on the U.S. dollar and the spending that went along with the Vietnam War and the inflation, and we have the whole Charles de Gaulle story and claim the gold back, so on and so forth, market law had to re rear its, its head at some point and say the gold price has to float, and then we got the price severance. That severance was a watershed event, and it was a good event from the standpoint of looking at gold as a currency as opposed to looking at the U.S. dollar as a currency. So gold, be, gold gained a floating status at that point price-wise, and the U.S. dollar became an unemployed measure. And it couldn't measure gold to any degree of satisfaction where the gold had utility value because gold was just getting oriented with that new floating price model. So the U.S. dollar had to go looking for a job. Otherwise, it was unemployed. Exactly. And it found a job. And it found a job with oil. And that relationship in the petrodollar mm -hmm. is somewhat of a stopgap measure until we put gold back into circulation with the appropriate uh, free-floating, real-time price model that it now has. And that's up to us from a bottom-up point of view. Right, it is from a bottom-up because the, the, the thing that I, you know, I completely agree that this would have been a great plan to, in the future, purge debt and just rally globally the economy and growth and power of, of the people with their, you know, armed with money and capital to be able to do. This is ideal, but it's very utopian on the fact that the people that are actually controlling these and making these decisions also will hold on to it dearly and like quoted by um, Sabatini with suicidal uh, stubbornness to hold on to power. And that is the concern because we've seen the one thing that we did see, right, is that when President Trump entered uh, as president and took over the administration, the first thing he did was dealt with the Far East, with China.
And uh, we see that they are working together in regards to rearranging, along with Russia, along with Saudi Arabia, uh, work together to uh, even out the edges. You know, they created their own BRICS economy, which was great. I don't know. What, what were your thoughts on that when you saw that erupt, when they created the BRICS block? I thought it was just another way to manipulate fiat and kick the can down the road. Uh, in my opinion, that's still dark side thinking. Well, yeah, it is. But they're scared because remember, uh, the one thing that happened with Russia, Russia is the only debt-free nation on this planet right now. You can agree Excuse with that, Excuse me right? for a moment, okay? Yeah, no if problem. If I was stuck in the dark, I'd be scared too. Yeah, no, of course. And, and the thing is, Russia has been isolated because they have surplus. They're the only country on the planet that... And remember, when the USSR fell, they had debt, not only theirs, but every single other nation that spurred from the collapse of the USSR, they carried their debt too. And they paid it all off. They owe zero dollars, zero rubles, zero anything to anyone and have over 70 million in surplus operating Here's my surplus question. Here's my question to you on that basis. Did they purge debt or did they simply redistribute debt? Well, they actually got rid of the debt. That was the problem. They actually paid it down. Uh, the IMF had stepped in. The World Bank had stepped in. So they just got rid of it altogether. And the final debt was actually paid in 2004, which was a debt that was incurred uh, from an agreement in 1994 with Turkey, Iran, and Russia for a pipeline that was being built in Turkey. So that was the last piece of debt that they paid off after they paid off all the other countries, so Georgia, Lithuania, Estonia, all of their debt as nations to uh, the IMF were paid. They are the only country that has no debt no debt on this well, planet, and that's why they created BRICS. I, I, I studied that uh, when it came to rise, and I saw that China joined in, uh, you know, and I was looking at their movements, how they went to Africa, and they invested a lot in mining, and it was all gold mining, right? And then they moved on to Venezuela, uh, put in for exploratory rights, not only for black gold, but yellow gold. And now the U.S. is starting to understand that the um, the global situation of the economy is has always been driven by the United States, by our dollar, right? It's kind of like the, the marker. That's how I see it. And do you see the same, that the dollar isn't really the currency, but the marker or the influencer? Do you agree with that? Well, I, I see the dollar, when I look at the dollar in its full scope, this is what I see, and I'm going to use an analogy here, and I think it's a very profound analogy that ironically is self-evident but doesn't really come to consciousness. So I'm going to try and bring it to consciousness for, for your audience. And, and I don't know if you took the time to read my post on that, on, uh, on the analogy where I use the string theory. The U.S. dollar is exactly like a segment of string, meaning it has two distinct ends which, where each end represents an actual application for its use and its utility, utility in trade. Only one end of that string segment, Tori, is the currency, debt-based. It's at the other end 
that we find the floating price tool. You cannot create a floating price tool, which is the real gem, without creating a floating currency on the other end, where the floating currency does have debt associated with it. And it's the necessary evil in the script. Unless you can figure out how to create a floating price tool, you know, out of magic, you can't. So if we scale that concept up from a currency to a model, to a global model, the fiat currency global model has been the quote-unquote other end of the free-floating price model. The price model is what supports debt-free trading. If Whether you're trading a measure of gold for a new suit or whether you're trading a measure of silver for uh, you know, a steak dinner uh, in, in debt-free transactions, whatever the case may be, you need a price model for the sake of dynamic and real-time mark, market measurements in order to create fair agreements that take total uh, uh, market balancing into account. And 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 um, just so, just a hiatus here, so, just a little pause here for my listeners that don't know what um, um, fi- f- fiat money currency is. It's basically um, money that doesn't really have an intrinsic value. It's just been established as money and by government regulation. Okay, just so you understand. So it's like an IOU slash, but it's money. Uh, I just wanted to kind of make that very simple for my listeners that aren't yeah. aware of those terms. Go ahead. Yeah. That's the necessary evil. Let's look at the other end of the string because everyone focuses on the currency and ignores the price model. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I can trade uh, you and I. I can trade you a debt-free widget that's priced at five dollars for your debt-free widget that's also priced at five dollars. If we agree, there's no debt in the swap. It has to be a, peop- a, a, a at least two parties that agree that it has some value, basically. And that's the way it is. We have to agree there's value. Now, my perspective from this is from day one when he entered and as a candidate, our president has focused on growing the domestic economy and creating this confidence in the dollar, which he has done successfully over the past two years. And uh, in my sense, because from what I know from uh, geopolitics and the petrodollar and the strain that is happening right now within uh, Europe and the Middle East, uh, it seems that, and with his threats, of course, uh, direct notions of auditing or cutting out the Fed Reserve completely, balancing checkbooks within our treasury, um, uh, reaching out to governments that we've never reached out before to conduct trade and exploratory rights. Uh, from, from all of that, it inches to me that in 2020, he's willing to literally just abolish the Federal Reserve and flip it to a gold-backed economy. And the Can idea, on yeah, no, of course, but that is, that is what I'm thinking that he is going to do. Yeah. And it indicates so, uh, because he wants it to be more consumer driven. He's said that from day one, he's been right. saying that for 30 years, hasn't he? He's always been about the gold backed so, economy. He's always liked gold in my opinion, but think about it from a top down point of view. Can he do anything by fed, uh, by fiat or by legislation to bring gold into circulation in your opinion? Uh, yes, I believe he can. Yes, he can. 
So I believe he can. Okay. So as soon as so as soon as the market uh, finds out that oh we're going to gold, uh, would this proposed gold system, in your opinion? have a fixed price or a floating price? I believe that it'll start it off with a fixed price in order to, balance, you know, for damage control. Because when you're, uh, you know, we're going to have a rocky period of transition. And um, placing a fixed price first and then releasing it to the economy, you know, and being consumer-driven would be wise. But, but haven't we already done that? Uh, we have, but then we've also taken away the right by creating a floating currency. Yeah, the well, floating what if we don't do that? Dark side. See, yeah, the problem, why don't, why don't, the problem if we don't that, do that, that would problem, be fine, though, right? If he started it off okay. fixed and then released it, like releasing the Kraken and saying, now it's consumer-driven, let's go. And this is how the dollar well, will rise without creating this floating currency. We already did that. That's the point. It's just that the consumer hasn't woken up to the fact that that stage has already been set. It was set in 1971 from a theoretical point of view. Theoretical, yes. Uh, if you recall, Americans couldn't own gold. Yes. Uh, I think it was what from from 1933. Yes. Right. Okay. And then I I can't remember if it was 72 or 73. Americans were allowed to own gold again, and that's because the peg had been severed. The gold price was free to the market. That gave the marketplace the incentive to monetize gold from a bottom-up point of view and let nature take its course in an organic economy. We had to develop the tools. We had to develop the infrastructure. We had to be able to apply real-time gold in actual transactions, not just in theory, but actually in practice. The Internet has been a big part of that development, real-time real digital pricing. Right, but if we had a fixed peg, it would just mean that we have a fixed amount of gold, thus it would balance itself out because we do have it, – it's not we, infinite on the planet. And I think that's what he's doing right now is uh, calculating that. This is why our treasury we, we is being fattened. We have a fixed amount of gold, and a fixed amount of gold with a fixed price is a problem and a breach uh, against market law. And that's what we had uh, during the 1930s when the FDR administration ran into a liquidity crisis. Their short-term solution was to repeg the price. But then it was thought, you know, ultimately we're going to have this problem again and again and again. Yeah, they couldn't do it then because we already had the Federal Reserve note. So we already had this fiat currency. Uh, Now, if we get rid of this fiat currency, this IOU backed by a private bank has nothing to do with us. It's just bankers that people just suddenly agreed, yep, it has value. Um, If that is eradicated and we do say we have so much gold – so much. It's fixed at this. And then we start trading with the other countries that will catch up. That short-term fix for that rocky period would be perfect. It, 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 you've, got a, you've got a problem there in not having a market-driven orientation. Let's deal with the fact that we have right now. Right now we have a free-floating price of gold. That's a good thing. Okay, It's not really free. We just have to... Sorry? It's not really free because not everyone has access to it because the prices are fluctuating constantly and are out of reach for a middle-class American to be able to purchase. 
a- anyone, okay, I'll deal with that. But anyone listening to this call on a, on the basis of affordability, there's no free lunch here. You know, free cap- free market capitalism is not going to give anybody a free exactly. lunch. But anyone listening to this call on the basis of affordability can get on the internet right now and buy some gold or buy some carrot bars. You know, it is a free market. Now, I'm going to deal with the, the, the fiat currency issue. When we put gold into circulation, and this is a progressive market-oriented thing, and you have to be market-oriented and process-oriented to follow this part of the conversation. When we add gold into circulation, we support the economy, yes or no? Of course we do. Okay. So on that basis, we get growth. And on the basis of growth, it's the engine of the economy that allows for debt to be safely purged. The gold does not purge the debt. The gold greases the wheels of the economy. The economy grows, and as a result of real growth, we, interest rates can rise, debt can be, uh, can be purged and retired, and thus, what happens is you have a lower supply of circulating debt-based medium known as the U.S. dollar. You get uh, organic price discovery as a result. The dollar gets stronger. When gold circulates, not only does the economy benefit, the dollar benefits and gold benefits. They all benefit. It's a symbiotic relationship. We're coming from a polarized environment where we grew up this way, where the yin mm-hmm. has no yang. Yes. You know, okay, the dark side had to form first. You had to have the real-time price model. Appreciate that that yin-yang relationship is a real-time model of debt currency and asset-based currency all circulating with real-time prices. Okay, so it's fairly recent. And in that development, the dark side had to had to form first because you have to have the real-time floating price model created by fiat currency going back to the two ends of the string. You have to have the real-time price model before you can introduce gold with real-time pricing in proper context. All that goes back to Bretton Woods. They set the stage for the pricing. There's necessary evils in God's script. There's no question about it. They got to be there. He wrote them in there for a reason. Okay, so they've done their job. Now we do ours. And then there was light. You got to get the order of creation right. Well, you know, I, I, I have to say. Add the assets. Well, we, we, You're saying add the assets? Yes. The real-time price model is already there for you. Just bring the assets into circulation. Now, this might be a bit of a twister for a lot of people because a lot of people don't necessarily realize that market gold can be put into circulation and spent directly into into circulation by the average John Q, by by consumers all over the world, and it's happening daily, and it's growing on a daily basis. That's what the, the payment processor carrot bars is all about. Okay, so we're coming up. We're coming up to the break. We're going to touch back on that uh, once we come back from this quick break and hear from our sponsors. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, "Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio." Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. 
turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot, on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219. 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Okay, welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori, and I have my guest, Michael, on the line with me. I just wanted to point out, uh, you know, gold right now has capped for a whole week. It has been down, you know, and capped at $1,300, right? And um, what do you mean by cap? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's at $1,300 for this past week. It's at a low. And it's being reported that uncertainty over U.S.-China trade relations and the potential for another U.S. government shutdown continue to underpin interest toward $1,300. And we should see some supportive price action 
remain over the near term, uh, was reported by the MKS uh, PAMP group. Um, a firmer dollar indeed does make our gold bullions more expensive for holders of other currencies, right? And that the dollar index um, actually tracks the greenback against major currencies, and it's on course for the sixth session of gains and trading close to a two-week high. And um, um, Perez Santella, the vice president of Harris Metal Management New York, said that there's still a lot of uncertainty in the market, and that's keeping gold above 1300 So what are your thoughts on that? Question. Yeah, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, let me ask you a question. It, it, it might sound rude of me to, to answer a question with another question, but I need to qualify <laughs> your question. Are you talking about dark side gold or light side gold? Yeah, see, that's the thing. See, I'm always talking dark side because, uh, yes. you know, we were made to think that uh, that the economy, you know, when we were gold backed, and this is what happened, we're made to think that gold, we don't have enough of it. There's not enough to back the dollar with it. This is the traditional thought that we have. Um, And one listener actually texted me during the break. Hey, what about Venezuela? They're holding their gold hostage. Exactly. Because one thing our executive order that we did at the United States did in regards to gold was confiscate. Any U.S. person or company's gold. Yeah. So we've filled up our treasury with gold, and now there's $1.2 billion that has been put on hold, and we're not giving back to Venezuela that I said in my first hour, right? We're holding that hostage. So we're seeing that these major countries now are are grabbing for gold. We saw it in Europe, uh, Italy, uh, Spain, and Greece, their last hold against, uh, you know, losing all options of sovereignty, which they aren't pretty much anymore was their gold reserves and that is where everyone's going for grabbing the gold so why are they grabbing the gold but not backing it with gold and i understand that there's a relationship and a balance that the dollar has it's fiat currency with gold but but if in essence our president does exactly what I predict because he's been talking about it for 30 years, which is to get rid of the Fed Reserve and bring it back to gold back economy so that way it's consumer-driven. He's always about capitalism and consumer-driven. And I think having a fixed price with the limited amount we have, which we have fattened up in the past four, you know, 24 months immensely, may indeed be a good cure to eradicate the need for this necessary evil of of you know creating price points and debt currencies like the XDR et cetera et cetera. I mean, what are your thoughts? Well, first of all, I don't think. Well, I'm hearing an echo here. I don't know why. Do you tell me why I'm getting an echo? I don't know. I don't know. I oh, hear okay. you clearly. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll try and cope with it. <laughs> first of all. I don't believe gold will ever have a peg price again. It should not have a peg price. I think Gaddafi can attest to that. And the reason that Gaddafi uh, you know, stepped in the bear trap is is because not because he was going to monetize gold, but he wanted to peg the price. And that's where he messed up. He would have turned us all backwards. And anyone who attempts to peg their currency to gold with a fixed price is, is going to have some problems because Quite frankly, it's an abomination of market law. We worked a long time to get rid of it and went through a lot of painstaking measures in order to get rid of it, including putting up with the necessary fiat currency 
until the grassroots of uh, the population wake up and realize they can use gold as a free market currency right now. The reason that it has to be market-driven and bottom-up is because of rate of change. You can imagine if by fiat some government was to proclaim, or let's use the U.S. government because you know they do have the reserve currency and the U.S. dollar on the other end of the string is the measure of measures, the important thing, I might add. If the U.S. government was to come out tomorrow or next week or next year and say, hey, we're going to gold, uh, well, you and I both know that gold has to have a free-floating price in order to have liquidity and expandable and scalable mm-hmm. market reach. That's mm-hmm. one of the reasons that the price peg had to be severed. Well, if the government or the, or the central bank, for that matter, from the apex of power, of classical power, tried to proclaim that gold is now going to be currency, we're going to live happy ever after, you know what would happen to the debt side of the equation. You know what would happen to the bond market and the currency markets. They'd crash. That can't be allowed. When adding the yang to the yin in order to achieve symbiosis, you cannot destroy the yin. It's an important part of the whole thing. Debt is not a problem. Over-leveraged debt is a massive problem, mind you. I want to qualify that. It's the balance between the two that we need to establish because right now that liquidity model, that currency model, uh, on a global basis, on a U.S. basis, you can look at it at either scale, is overwhelmingly saturated with debt. It's all yin and no yang. There's the problem. Well, that would, but here's the, here's the problem though with that. See, and and it's okay for us to disagree. I seriously believe that if we had a fixed price for a fixed amount of gold for a short period of time to allow our, our domestic market within the U S um, uh, revive itself because globally, you know, call me a nationalist, call me extremist. Uh, you know, they need to deal with it. Um, I'm, I'm saying if it was fixed for a short period of uh, time and then once it balances out, cause we all know things balance out, especially in fixed environments, then it would be more consumer driven because then by then the global economy will have time to catch up. And the more and more I see that countries are gold grabbing, right? We've confiscated the Clintons gold grabbing from Haiti. We've taken all their money from that. When they went into Haiti and they were gold mining, that's what they were doing after the earthquake. They were gold mining. We have all of that. I'm thinking this is the plan because I don't think that we need a yin and a yang. We need to be free 100%. And I understand that it would be against market, uh, free market regulations and what the idea of free market is if you peg the price. But if we don't have any floating currency and just have gold, a set time, so it regulates itself, so all all um, uh, socioeconomic... Well, that's the thing. How can you price it unless you have a price model? Well, that's the thing. I think that's what they're working on. We're working on to put that out there so everyone across the board can have access to it uh, by removing this Federal Reserve note and backing it by gold. And we say, okay, this is how much gold we have. This is how much it is. Then we can regulate. And I think it would actually be a sweet period within the first 24 months of such transition only because the majority of our imports 
imports that are coming from other countries will hurt so much because the dollar at that point will be the strongest currency on the planet because it's fully backed by gold. And so we'll be able to import at cheaper prices. We'll be able to go travel somewhere where our dollar will be worth maybe 20 pounds in Britain. You know, we don't know, but it will be the strongest. And that'll give us the advantage of um, injecting confidence domestically and then internationally. And by the time they catch up, I'm saying it would be a period maybe of five years with a transition period of unpegging the price for another five to regulate globally. I I think that would be great. I don't want the yin and the yang because here's what happens. We get these evil people because if, if this model is correct, right? In theory, it's correct. And I agree. It would help the global economy by not pegging it, by putting it out there, by everyone, you know, agreeing that this IOU dollar is worth something rather than gold itself and doing it. But you have to then think with blind trust that those that are making these decisions are doing it for their own, you know, for, for the greater good and indications from their actions over the past hundred years show the contrary. And if ever something like this was to happen, uh, you know, there, there would be a huge gap between them that have access to the gold and us that don't. And thus that would be detrimental. Yeah, you're, I understand what you're saying, but you, if you're going to look back in time at history, you're actually looking back in the dark side where you know debt has really dominated, and there has been no, uh, there has been no coming of the light. There has been no solution. You know, let's not kid ourselves. There's more in it in the yin yang for them than there is in the yin. Banks and government will make much, much more money and have much stronger revenues when gold flows in circulation as a market currency with free-floating prices than what they're enjoying right now in the debt-based paradigm, by a long shot. Because the real engine that generates that wealth is the real economy. They tax the real economy. They can tax the real economy in such a way that their their revenues increase while your tax rate falls. Do you like that? I like that. But again, okay. I don't trust any of them. So, you know, um, especially when they're concealing uh, their activities. You know, when you see someone that was a candidate for president uh, mining metric tons of gold from an island that was just stricken by an earthquake, it makes you wonder just what their intention was. Because I I explained this uh, in some other context to my listeners yesterday, that in theory and in a controlled environment where we assume good, blind trust, uh, you know, our experiment works, our theory is applicable. But when you put it out into nature, Unfortunately, humans, even though we have the intent to be kind and loving, that's not always the case when power creeps in. And this is what's scary. And, uh, you know, if, if, if people actually go back and listen to what President Trump used to say in the 80s and 90s about the economy and how bringing it gold back would allow us to be more powerful as a country, more competitive and increase competition globally – right? For that, it would be better because again, it's limited and a fixed amount of gold that we have. So it it would be uh, the ultimate utopia for a capitalist. If it was going back. I think you have to give a little bit more thought to the process 
because in a real-time environment, you have to be very careful about being able to implement incremental changes that are not shocking. What you're suggesting about a peg is very reminiscent of what took place in the 1930s when the gold price went from $20.67 to $35 an ounce. But keep in mind, we had just moved over to the fiat currency, though, you know, 15 years before that. Here, we're removing that... And we're just going gold back. So it's not the same thing. Because right, but who's going to set the, the price? You, you, you were the one that mentioned the peg. So I have to ask the question, who's going to set that peg? Who's going to set the price on gold? And, you know, done by and this is the conversation that I was having yesterday on the Chan board. What would be the price that would be fixed? Because I sit and play around with these things with friends. You know, this is the relationship I have with our common friend. You know, when to, you know a hypothetical. So, well, we were saying that it should be backed by the ounce, but we have to assume how much is there. And, you know, from what it seems, um, even Dimitri's calculations were pretty much on point at 43,000 an ounce. Too high. It is too high, but it seems that the math is is legit, though. If if that was the case. Let, let, let's go halfway. Let's say twenty thousand dollars. All right. Just, just yeah, yeah, yeah. Hypothetical. Article, yeah. Okay? A hypothetical, right? Okay. So people holding on to fiat currency that have no gold. What happens to them? Well, because you know what happens. You know what's going to happen to prices in that situation. In the store. Yes. That would actually be able to regulate, regardless. So people like you and I that may have some physical gold, right, will be yeah. laughing. We'll be rich. We'll be extremely rich. Point, but the people the that don't that... have any, the people that don't have any have the dollar that's backed by the currency. So it'll be worth, you know so we'll be, be able to buy burgers for five cents again. You're, you're, you're projecting a matter of win and lose and who's better off and who's worse off. And, and you're not only setting yourself in that example but you're also looking at uh, various powers in the world who are mining gold and manipulating yes. gold and doing this and yes. doing that with gold and looking at them through the same lens. I'm saying forget all that. Mm-hmm. Don't make gold the centerpiece of your focal point. Make the economy the centerpiece. That's of your that's focal what I'm saying. Point. So if we set the price at $20,000 per ounce, let's pretend, okay, the math is really wrong, but that a dollar would be the equivalent of I don't know, 2 pennies. That would mean that you would be able to buy a hamburger for 5 cents again. The dollar would be stronger. That's what I'm saying. You would be able to fix that, make the dollar worth more than it is now, and then allow it to be open, to fluctuate, while the rest of the world catches up to back their economy. Okay, I, I, I get where you're coming from. You want the dollar and gold to both have more purchasing power, yes. and I agree with that. What I'm disagreeing with is the, the route that you want to take. Let the market take its course. Let the market bring gold into circulation. Let debt be naturally purged organically at an organic rate that doesn't rip lot. And then you will have your high-flying gold that pulls the dollar along with it. We're well, excuse me, somebody's trying to call in there. Yes, I can hear the gap, yeah. Where gold, where gold and the dollar have a symbiotic relationship, they both ride into the sunset. They're both heroes. They're right. both currencies. 
they they're both complementary and they support uh, organic price discovery in the marketplace where that hamburger eventually becomes five cents again. But the difference, but is, the the difference the there. Process. The no, difference is the process. And the people, because why would they want to purge debt when debt is what controls them? What controls the population? I mean, a child gets no. born today, they are born with an $80,000 tag of debt already from their first breath. Why would they want to well, eradicate debt? Let's purge it. But they won't purge it because it's all about power. That's the point. No, 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 no. It's not about – it's about income. It's about revenue. You you see it as being a power issue because, again, that's dark side thinking that's polarized. But the banking system and the government both earn more revenue in the yin-yang where you've got free market gold flowing alongside fiat currency. And I'm going to introduce something to you I haven't introduced as of yet. Not only does the economy pick up and the tax revenue pick up, and I'm talking about the gross amount in terms of dollar-based income, not only does that pick up, but there's another wild card in here, and it goes back to the price measure. You remember when we spoke briefly and and I, I, I talked to you about the petrodollar? Yes. And how the petrodollar sort of became a necessary evil because the dollar was looking for employment mm-hmm. back in the 1970s yes. after the price peg was severed. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. In that context, you know, the, the, the dollar is not oil backed. The dollar is the measurement tool to measure the value of, of oil. global oil. Yeah. Okay. Don't, let's not forget something. The dollar is also the measurement tool for gold. Has been since 1944, and of course in 1971, it became a floating measure. Now, oil was already being measured in the marketplace, you know, with, with a with a floating price model, regardless of whose currency it was. The fact that the dollar became the go-to measure of measure to measure oil's value on a global basis was a matter of desperation because. The, the dollar needed to be defined with a job so it would have some, for, some form of utility value. The only reason it couldn't get away with just measuring gold is the gold had no utility value. It was a store of value at that point. It wasn't circulating. The market can bring it into circulation now, in which case consider this. If the dollar is the measurement tool for gold, and gold is now circulating so that the dollar has employment to measure the trade value of gold in every single gold currency-based transaction that takes place on a global basis. Tell me something, Tori. What do you think of that export? See, I think that if we didn't have people in office globally that are about power, that would be ideal. Well, then we round out the world. We've got a hierarchical paradigm That's right the now, thing. which I define what as they the dark side. Right. Let's, and, add the, let's add the light and create a rounder world. But it, take it this way, and this is, this is history, right, repeating itself again and again and again. And we must see their actions before anything. In, in, in the United States itself, 
People have been conditioned now how to think, walk, talk, learn. They have penetrated every aspect of our life. If this was to be put out forward, right? At a point where we have people like this globally, remember China is the worst. They even have social credit systems for human beings. You know, if you buy five video games because you're going to five different birthday parties, your social score drops and you're not allowed to ride on an airplane. So this is real stuff. We don't have leaders in power that are looking for the greater good. So this idea being implemented globally and having it a free trade and gold backed, etc is great for those in power because the gap between you and me and them is even bigger. And that's the point. This is why I'm all for saying no more IOU, no more Federal Reserve. This is how much gold we have. We have a hundred pounds. We're going to distribute it and we're going to base the price of the dollar based on what we have. That's the gold price that we have. That's the power we have. The rest of them are still going to be going by this floating fiat currency and they're going to try to find their way. And there's going to be a scramble. But in that period of panic and instability will come stability because it's from chaos that you receive order and it's from order that you get chaos. I mean, that is the cycle of life. And if we, this is, this is, this is what I think. And from what I listen to what my president has been saying for 40 years should happen. Uh, I don't, I, I don't remember him saying fixed, but for me, mathematically, right. Doing the math yeah, makes sense. You're right. Yeah. He has not said fixed. He has not said floating. Exactly. He is leaving that up to the marketplace. Ron and now Paul, we're getting the president a- of the world bank in order too. So this is a big deal because this is where we see the relationships that are strengthening with big world powers because the Chinese head guy, you know, that was the president of the world. World Bank stepped down immediately, and now we're throwing someone in who said, hey, well, hold on a second. We need to put some reins on the World Bank. We need to stop funding these things. We need to fix the economy because this isn't working. So I, I, this is a startup for what I believe after 2020, and I'm all for it. And I haven't talked to many economists and none on his team, of course, but I foresee that putting in a fixed one would be ideal for us, at least for a short-term period of time of, you know, five years to be fixed with a transition period at the ending of that, you know, for the last 24 months of that, uh, because then how the rest of like the world. See, how would you like to see the Fed walk away with a wink and a smile? Mm-mm. No. Would you like that? <laughs> no, I would not. Why not? I don't want them to walk away with a wink and a smile. Why not? I want them to walk away in cuffs. They have enslaved our nation. (laughs) That's what I want. I understand. I keep telling you there's necessary (laughs) evils in God's script, but you won't listen to me. No, no, no. And I agree there is, but I'm all for the fact that we are the creators of our own destiny. We should, we are consumer driven. I've been telling this to my audience for months now. We have the power to change everything. And it's just, we're at this point, not only that we have nefarious and non, you know, for the people, uh, people ruling us because they're ruling, they're not governing the right way, uh, you know, as a democracy. Democracy, uh, but people have started to lack ambition, uh, have an apathy, like we said earlier when we were talking, uh, you know. And so, with that, that gives them even more power to 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 kneel the global economy and this global currency that would be ideal would be devastating 
on a global scale to create this one government that is the ultimate goal because it is in, in the actual where, where, one government. Where did that come from? From the EU Council's government um, documentation where they meet once a year in Kazakhstan. They've literally you know, you put know that how out. That'll happen. That'll happen. That'll happen if we end up with one global currency by fiat. Exactly. And that's why I by think. Fiat. We, yes. And that's why we yeah. need to do what? Move it over to gold. We need to, we need to ha- create a world currency that's seamless, that is market-driven, debt-free, and backed, backed by, by gold. gold. Yes. Okay. Um, Michael, that has I, believe nothing, it or not. That has nothing to do with government. Yes. Absolutely nothing well, we can dis- Well, we can agree to disagree other on than that the fact, Let me finish. Let me, please. We're out of time. Other than Just... the fact that, that they have already set the stage... They have already put the things in place that they needed to do in regards to their contribution by forming the dark side, which included the free-floating price model, because gold has to have a free-floating price model in order to be traded as a market currency. You can't fix the price of a fixed weight. Michael, the show is over. The show is actually over. Oh. Yeah, it was cut off air, but people that are going to subscribe to the podcast, that's what I was telling you, will hear it. Um, Thank you, everyone, for joining us on Red State. We wish you a happy and healthy weekend. Michael, you have to come back again. And we need more people to to make this. Yes, you have to. This was fun. We got to bite off a small piece of the time. Yes, of course we do. Thank you for joining us on Red State. I appreciate it. All right, you get in touch with me when you want to talk again, I will do. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Tori. Bye. Bye.